AI has a people problem. There's not enough data talent to fill the roles technology is creating. QuantHub helps companies develop their key differentiator, their people. We enable organizations to deliver on the power of AI by providing tools to hire and upskill a high-performing workforce. Future-proofing your workforce means leaving behind the old ways of hiring and training. See QuantHub's powerful platform to assess and develop your AI talent today by visiting get.quanthub.com forward slash beards or click the link in our show notes. You're listening to The Big Data Beard. Hey everybody, this is Corey Minton with another edition of The Big Data Beard, and we are here today to talk about uh, something kind of fun. Uh, I don't know if you all have heard of this idea of redfish. And redfish, no, I don't mean the delicious fish that we get out of the Gulf of Mexico grill up right with lemon butter. We're talking about the redfish standard. And the redfish standard uh, is going to, it's one of those things, I don't want to define it for you. That's why we have great guests. Kyle Prince, who you may know is a member of the Big Data Beard, but he's also an advisory SC at Dell working on some interesting projects related to redfish and good friend of the Big Data Beard podcast, Dean Jackson, SC at Splunk Extraordinaire. Back to join us. How are you doing today, gentlemen? Good. I am, I am awesome as well. Happy well, to be back. Absolutely. And if so, it's a short time ago since you were with us, but I didn't get to join you on that one. So I'm super excited. And by the way, two of my uh, favorite people in the country of Australia, which is weird because neither of them are from there, uh, <laughs> North American transplants. We're taking over slowly <laughs> but surely. We're taking over. <laughs> it's like the rest of the country. <laughs> exactly right. Well, do me a favor, guys. I, I, I know what redfish is, but I think that you guys stand a much better chance at defining this well for us. So would you just give us a little, back, bit, a little bit of background on what this redfish standard is all about, and then we'll get into how we use it. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start with it. We'll take a stab at it and see how I uh, how I clean it up. But yeah, Redfish is an open standard uh, that's at its core designed to deliver uh, simple and secure management for servers. So whether that's converged, hybrid IT, or software-defined data center, um, they try and make the data pretty human-readable uh, and machine-capable and, and try and get it out via REST API pretty easily. Um, what I thought was pretty interesting is that the you look at the board and the officers of it, and it's actually headed up by uh, a lot of developers and chief architects at Dell and HP, uh, as well as a lot of other server manufacturers. So it's it's been pretty cool to see uh, an open standard come out uh, from these manufacturers and, and how we can take advantage of that. It's literally the who's who uh, of of infrastructure IT. If you look at that list, and they, you know, the DMTF has brought some pretty awesome standards, and one I think everybody would know would be OBF, right? So, um, open virtualization format. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome uh, standard. All right, so this is a standard coming from a pretty well recognized standards body, all about getting data out of servers and managing servers is that really a big data problem though like that that to me feels like we should be we should have been doing this forever like why are we just now getting into this well we have sort of um has been really standard so really redfish replaces replaces a 20 plus year old standard of ipmi um which basically allowed um uh, uses to interact with uh, the BMC within the server platforms. Um, unfortunately, that IP, IPMI was not 
you know, wasn't a standard, didn't allow programmatic access in some cases. So Redfish was really, as I see it, an attempt to um, refresh all that uh, and give us the ability to to do that, right? Um, so it's a five-year-old standard, um, so it's still relatively new, but um, does some pretty awesome things. I think it's also, too, it, it, you know, we talk a lot about infrastructure as code and that style approach, and I think it's basically the infrastructure as code approach to server management and monitoring. Uh, you know, it's still, it's coming from the iDRAC port uh, specific to Dell, uh, so that out-of-band management plane, um, but now we're getting it in, you know, pullable via REST API. It's neatly packaged in a JSON payload. So it's starting to adhere to the, the new standards that have been developed in the past couple of years. So I, I think it's a welcomed change and, and is making things quite a bit easier to manage and monitor your infrastructure. Okay, so you, you've got these, let's say you've got thousands of servers in your data center. That's cool. This is now a way for organizations to standardize, whether those are from HP or Dell, standardize the process by which you get that data, that really granular server data out? Because it doesn't sound like we're talking about just the basic kind of data we'd get from a, you know, from an OS, right, on just server utilization, CPU utilization. This sounds like it's something more than that. Like what kinds of data are we getting out of there that maybe is more useful than what we were getting in other ways? Mm. Yeah, it's, um, I've seen a lot, I, I can speak specifically for Dell, and then uh, <laughs> Dean's been testing a couple of those servers that he can share a bit on what the data he's seen there, but I've seen a lot of uh, temperature data. So not just like, hey, we threw a we threw a thermometer or a temperature sensor in the server, but like down to dim level or CPU level or different parts of the server, we're, get, we're able to capture uh, temperature pockets there. Uh, we're also able to capture power variations across the CPU as well. So not just, you know, the PSU coming in, but where within the server are we getting different power levels from there? Uh, so now we get to ask a lot of different questions around, hey, how is the temperature of your data center? And how are power fluctuations uh, being handled by your server environment? But yeah, Dean, are you, are you seeing anything different or, or specific with the ones you've tested? Yeah, so yeah, I have to test with a different vendor. And that, that's the cool thing about this. Like we built this add-on, I built, and test the stuff I did, I tested on a different vendor than obviously Kyle was working with Dell and we were able to move that code over and because it's standard, it just works, uh, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, like I totally agree. There's some pretty cool data. Like I'm always interested in power data, which is really interesting, but I was quite amazed at the granularity. Like, I'm not sure why you would need the individual temperature of a dim, but um, but you, you could literally, I can see, you know, the temperatures of the dims for the memory, the CPU cores, that's pretty actually important. Um, so you can do some really interesting uh, stuff with that. I love the way they've broke apart the, um, the, they have the concept of manager chassis and systems in the schema of the standard. So manager being the BMC um, and uh, chassis being, I guess the physical um, chassis of the device and system could be like, it, let's say it was a blade chassis, the individual system. So it's, bro it, it's broken up quite nicely um, where you can uh, see that data um, and s sift through it quite, um, quite quickly. So here's the thing that I, I'm, I'm curious about. So you talk about that now, okay, so we've got a standard. We can get the data from lots of different servers out, and it's more granular than we've had before. That, to me, starts to sound like an interesting data 
you know, use case in that if we have more granular data about what's happening inside the server, it would stand to reason that that's like, that's another, you know, another arrow in our quiver as we start to fight towards getting rid of outages, right? So if you hmm. can, if you can manage and predict. So how does somebody like, you know, and that's, but that's probably only interesting in like the hyperscale data center sort of story. But so how does somebody, if let's say they're, they are a hyperscale data center operations team or an SRE team that's running, you know, tens of thousands, if not more servers where this sort of approach gets interesting, where I might be able to avoid an outage. How did you guys get the data you know, out and kind of what's the, the, the way to get it from there into, into Splunk or maybe even any other data platform? The route I took was a, a little unique um, to Dell from what I've seen. Uh, so mine was actually able to be packaged up via what's called metric reports. Uh, and, and what that is, is that's a Dell culminating all the data together through specific areas that you would be interested in. So like overall power reports or cups reports or memory utilization or CPU utilization, uh, anything like that. And you can then subscribe to these ports uh, with an iDRAC9 uh, data center license. So from there, you can just run a simple REST API query and go, hey, uh, let me go ahead and collect these reports, and then it will populate uh, that JSON payload with the most recent reports that are generated every, I think, uh, every 30 seconds. Uh, Dean took a bit of a different approach with his, though. Yep. So basically, I took, yeah, a bit more holistic approach. So um, uh, I looked at using the Splunk add-on builder. Uh, the Splunk add-on builder basically assists in building um add-ons for onboarding data into Splunk. So I leveraged that um, technology within Splunk to build um, an add-on that uses that RESTful API to pull that into Splunk. It was pretty easy uh, in the end to get the data in. And then once it's in, because it's all JSON, it's quite easy to get value um, out of that data within Splunk. So what kind of value? Like, what are we talking about? This is, is this, you know, I, I think... It sounds like an IT sort of use case, more you know, most specifically because we're talking about, you know, granular levels of data about server operations, which feels right at home in IT. Is that is that what you're thinking in terms of use cases, or what? What maybe your customers like? Why? Why do we go down this path uh, in terms of what outcome we're trying to drive? Yeah, so there's some really interesting use cases you can do out of this in terms of value, right? So once it's in Splunk, um, obviously with that JSON format and, you know, how we've brought it in with different source types, uh, you can very easily, you know, segregate it. Uh, the use cases, uh, you know, obviously the thermals we talked about, power usage, um, the thermals could go to a sub rack level, right? So if you knew where that server was physically located, you could you could uh, look at how cooling's happening in rack or by row. The other really interesting use cases could be correlations uh, for predictive um, uh, failures or predictive maintenance. Basically, looking at um, you know. You know what kind of failures you have in the data center, and maybe it, could that be temperature related? Could it be power fluctuation rate related? There's all sorts of really, they're almost industrial type of use cases when you're looking at it from 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 that aspect. But because you have this low level data, you have the capabilities to do that, and it's quite easy um, to do those correlations, as you know, it's fun. Yeah, I, I think another thing too that's really interesting about it is that we were able. You're now able to measure thermometers and temp and power within the server itself. So now we've got one other access point 
to measure all of this. Uh, and and then another area where it got really interesting is that since it is getting pulled through the out-of-band management port uh, of each of these servers, that is now independent of whatever operating system you want to throw on that. So if you need to maybe spin it up as an ESXi server, you can do that. If you need to spin it up as a bare metal Linux server, you can do that. All in the meantime, that's not going to change the configuration of that out-of-band management port. Uh, so you're still able to receive a constant data stream around you know, the utilization of the server as well as the environmentals of the server as well. So that's why I think there's a huge push to be able to to pull your data out via this method uh, versus other ones uh, that you would traditionally use in a server route. Nice. Well, you, you talked about this this add-on builder, and I want to pull on that thread a little bit because that to me is something that it, it could be really handy for people that are consistently <laughs> trying to work through uh, onboarding new data sources. Give me. You said it's basically a tool to help you get data in, but maybe expand on a little bit about the add-on builder and maybe tell me a little bit about like how like what did you learn in the process of developing this uh, this particular use case? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with this one because I, I learned a tremendous amount. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the Atom Builder is awesome, right? So like if you got a very simple uh, RESTful endpoint, it will literally write the Python code on, under the wraps and create the add-on for you. So it's pretty easy. What I learned is quickly, uh, you know, and that's awesome, um, but we wanted to customize this a lot more. Um, so we, we did some custom code with it. And I'll give you some examples. Um, like want to inject some metadata into the JSON payloads, uh, you know, as part of ingestion in the spawn. So that's a bit of customization. But it, I found it was very easy to do that. Um, I think the most valuable part of the add-on builder, so yes, it will write some of the Python code uh, for those RESTful polls, but I think the really important part is standardization. So when it builds the add-on, whether you use your own custom Python code or let it write it for you, all your add-ons are built to the same standard uh, with the same consistency, as well as it has the ability to do um, SIM common information model mapping straight out of um, out of the add-on builder, which is another you know consistency uh, type layer. Yeah, this was extremely helpful for me too. So I, you know, just a quick background for anybody who's not familiar with me. I, I came from the infrastructure world. You know, I, I was a storage administrator, not a programmer. Uh, so the idea of of coding up some uh, Python code for RESTful endpoints was a rather daunting task. Um, but between the add-on builder, Splunk communities, and then you know, wonderful people like Dean to help me kind of understand what was going on, uh, it was very easy to get this started because what we realized was is it's pretty repeatable chunks of code and then as long as you understand the process of it the rest is very very easy so i you know i heard coding originally and and had the pit in my stomach of like oh no i have to do this and uh yeah the add-on builder like dean said the standards are great the packaging of the app you know understanding uh, what standards you need to get it into the app store in Splunk base, it handles all of that. And it makes it really easy and a nice little clickable GUI for it to where really the only programming you're doing is the stuff that you have an intimate knowledge of. Uh, and you also have a team of people you know, within Splunk communities or the user groups that can help get it involved as well. 
No, very cool. Now, you talked about that this is, you know, it's generally a standard that it's open, um, but there are vendor-specific ways to, to get access to some of this capability. So let's start with the, from a vendor perspective. So if I wanted to, if I have a large-scale, you know, Dell deployment and investment there, do I need something specific from Dell to empower this or to turn on and enable this, this data source and uh, expose this data set? Yeah, yeah. So for, for Dell specifically, um, you're going to need the iDRAC9 data center license. Um, so if you're grabbing a PowerEdge server, odds are you're, you're probably going to end up with that one just because of the key features there. Um, but you will need that one to expose the Redfish API. So uh, reach out to your Dell team, and I'm sure they can help you with that. You can also grab a uh, trial license as well uh, if you want to see what you can get out of it too. Nice. Okay. And then other vendors, I'm assuming they have probably something similar. Yeah. You just need to talk so. to your server vendor. Okay. So that's to turn the data set on. And then are you, have you built something that's available today that we can download that, that basically based on what the work you guys have done, that people can accelerate their journey to getting that data out and getting it into Splunk? Yeah, so the, uh, the add-on itself um, helps with that. And then as well, we have, so the, the team at Dell, Jonas Werner and, and a lot of other names I'm not mentioning, have built some um, scripts that can help expose that Redfish endpoint, get it configured for you uh, to where you can literally put in the, the IP address, username, and the password uh, of your server, and it will click on all the reports to get it exposed. Uh, that's specific for Dell, though. Um, Dean, is there anything from what you've seen on your testing end? Yeah, well, two things. First of all, uh, the add-on is is built. It's not quite uh, available in Splunk base as of yet. Um, uh, we at Splunk, we have a process. Uh, if an employee works on an app or an add-on, um, it has to go. It goes through Splunkworks. You'll see Splunkworks in um, in Splunk base. So it's going through that process to be approved. Uh, so we hope to see that in the next few weeks on Splunk base. So that's awesome. So and it'll be freely available for anybody to use. On, you know, specific to onboarding data for other vendors or things like that, or even scale, uh, we we tried to be mindful of that and we built this add-on. So there's basically things like uh, one endpoint configuration, like one, uh, sorry, configuration input per endpoint, rather than doing multiple uh, source types per endpoint. So that would help it scale um, some future releases uh, I was looking at possibly doing a CSV type import for uh, like server IPs. so like in that case Corey where you said I have a thousand you know hosts yeah yeah you don't want to type in a thousand IP addresses uh, no. <laughs> so but you know baby steps uh, let's get some people using this add-on and then we'll look at um, doing that um, uh, down the road amongst other ideas yeah well i would actually say that's probably the big call to action here is if you're a if you're a server uh kind of administrator a uh, data center operator sre team and you're staring down the aisles at thousands and thousands of servers looking for more granular management but getting getting that data in from you know infrastructure getting it in splunk uh the use cases are kind of the world is your oyster i think the uh i think the reality is is that that granular level of data is uh, it's ammunition in the fight against outages, which is, you know, it's basically if, if security is fighting uh, breaches, IT operators are fighting outages. So thanks for the update, gentlemen, on the work you're doing to, uh, to get data out of servers in a meaningful way that is consistent and to a standard that then we can start to adopt and build use cases on top of with data platforms like Splunk. Before I let you guys go, uh, I want to have a little bit of fun. 
We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Kyle, we'll start with you. What is the least productive thing you've done during COVID? I bought the latest Microsoft Flight Simulator. And it is <laughs> a constant. Suck, huh? Oh, man, it's a constant battle. Yeah, because my wife's not at all interested in it. So she's like, oh, you're going to go gaming again? Great, thanks. And uh, yeah, that's my Yeah, you uh, need time one suck. more thing. One yeah. One more thing, one more game. Exactly. Dean, what about you? What's the least productive thing you're doing during COVID? Uh, watching too many streaming shows, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think I've watched most of the library. All right. Well, so what, which one are you watching now that you would actually recommend that's actually good that you've watched oh. really recently? <laughs> yeah, really recently, just last night, Away on Netflix. Right. Uh, give, me the, it, give me the short story. What is it? Short story, uh, Mission to Mars. Oh, oh yeah. With uh, Is it Hillary Swint? No. Uh, I'm terrible with actors' names, so okay. I can't well, help okay. you there. So it's, away. It, it's very good. All right, Kyle, what about you? What's a great binging show you've watched lately? Uh, we're going through The Boys right now, um, so that's that's been okay. Uh, but sorry, my answer is going to be Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. It's just warm, lighthearted, funny, thirty-minute comedy. Jason Sudeikis, absolutely love it. Highly recommend it. Nice. All right. So, what piece of technology are you the angriest at right now, Kyle? Uh, my green screen behind me. This room is just too small, and I just I feel like a weird person with this giant green curtain behind me, but I'm having to record some videos to blur it out. So, uh, yeah, literally a piece of green cloth is my angriest piece of technology right now. All right, good. Dean, what about you? Is there anything making you just super angry? Mm, I'm not an angry person. I know. <laughs> so, what's, then let's say, let me say it the, the, the Kenuzzi way. What piece of technology is making you the least happy? Is that for me? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, it's not angry. You're just the least happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, all my technology. Which, which sparks right the least amount of joy? <laughs> oh, the least amount of joy. Oh, I love all technology. That's such a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Smoking like a true just zealot for if, tech. I love I'll, it. All I'll right. So you, then. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. If I don't like it, I replace it. <laughs> so <maybe laughs> that's, that's, good, well, why. <laughs> that's why. And he just, he strikes it from his memory. It's not to be thought of again. So Kyle, when we can travel freely again, where are you headed first? Uh, my wife and I had a trip planned to Japan with some friends. Uh, they were actually going to fly from the States and meet us in Japan. So uh, I would love to go back there. Just being a, a kid growing up in Tennessee, the idea of going to Japan was was not on the list. So uh, I would like to do that while I'm this close to it, you know? Absolutely. Dean, are you? Uh, have you planned any trips yet for uh, for traveling after COVID? Uh, well, no, we, we, I can't physically leave the country. Uh, you can't even leave the state. Can you, is that right? Uh, I can leave Queensland, but if I come back, I get a quarantine, uh, for 14 days. So there's no way I'm leaving the state. Um, so yeah, the first place I would go obviously is Canada as a family. Uh, yeah. once, once, um, once we can go somewhere overseas. Yeah. Well, not to, not to go down the COVID path, but just for a second, Kyle was showing me the numbers for Australia for cases. And it is hilarious that y'all are still under the lockdowns. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but given the, like Alabama is, 
you know, we're about 5 million people and we're still getting like 600 cases a day. And if you walk around, people are just like, it's like nothing's happened. I mean, there's some masks, but it's like, wow. they just have given, like, they're tired of it. So they just kind of quit locking wow. down. Different world here. <laughs> yeah. Man, y'all have like six cases a day in New South Wales, which is what? 10, 12, 13 million people in New South Wales. <laughs> I'm not even <laughs> sure how many, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think our numbers today were like 15 for the entire country, which we, we had some nasty ones earlier this month, but. Yeah, comparatively speaking, it's yeah. <laughs> the numbers the are Americans way just different. Don't care. Yeah, y'all, maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe you're doing it right. I don't actually know the right answer. I don't think no. anybody does. And we'll all look back on this thing and think, oh, if we would have only done it differently, and everybody will be wrong. So it is what it is. Yeah, uh, I think everybody knows where to find you guys on social media. But is there anything like super exciting coming up for you guys that you're you want to share with us? That just like it's the thing you're most excited about in the next month or so. Uh, I am excited for the virtual race to comp. Yeah. Uh, you know, shameless plug for all of us on here. Uh, yeah, working hard on that. So that's my really excited to see how this plays out and see how good of a racer I, I really am. <laughs> Dean, what about you? Anything exciting coming up for you? Um, well, it would be comp as well. Just really excited to see how that's all going to play out. I'm sure it's going to be awesome, uh, virtual and, you know, bots and botten at comp, you know, virtual, I, I'm pretty excited to see how the scale of those events, because they will be virtual. Um, we'll probably get a lot more than we traditionally get. Um, yeah. so pretty excited about that. Nice. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody, if you're interested, you can uh, always go to BigDataBeard.com for the latest news on what's going on in the show. We thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you get notified when we've got a new up, new episodes. And be sure to tune in as we start to launch the virtual race to, uh, .conf in October. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard Podcast. The music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. Check him out on iTunes or Spotify. Spotify.